We're thinking together tonight, learning from mistakes. Learning from mistakes. Now, you know, when I'm working on, there's a difference between a sermon and a Bible study. And Wednesday night is a little bit, it's more Bible study than sermon, but there's some sermon in it. Whereas Sunday is a whole different kind of scenario. You just, you've just got a different group of people and you're, you're trying to adapt to what you're trying to do. But as I work on preparing, whether it be a Bible study or a sermon, I, I, I write out a lot of things. Now, on, on Sundays when I'm preaching a sermon, like, like I don't have anything really but my Bible. Now, like on Wednesday nights or any other time I'm doing something like this, I, I have some notes of things I've worked on because it's just the whole layout of it is so different. But either way, I always know my first sentence. I know how I'm going to start. And then I know down the road somewhere I'm going to land over here. Now, the difference is I don't know always how I'm going from here to here. And that's just a dynamic that takes place in the preaching event. Having said that, I, I looked this morning at how I plan to begin this Bible study tonight. And I said this. Here was my first sentence. We learn from our mistakes. And then I thought, that's not a true statement. That's not a true statement. If you had a true-false test, and the question is, the statement is, we learn from our mistakes, and you said, true. Well, I'm going to respond. See, I, I thought that through. It's not true. It's sure not 100% true. It is true sometimes we learn from our mistakes. But here's why that statement's not true. It's not true because many times we don't learn from our mistakes. We, we make mistakes and we don't learn anything. And we go down the road, we make the same mistake again and again and again. It, it's, you know, it's, it's the difference between playing minor league baseball and major league baseball. Like in the minor leagues, if a shortstop lets the ball go through his legs, that's kind of, you know, you don't want to do that, but that's why that person's in the minor leagues. Now, in the major leagues, from time to time, a ball will get through somebody's legs, but it doesn't happen very often. If it does, they put them back in the minor leagues. Isn't that right? Okay, so mistakes. So really, I think the way I need to, to say it is this. We can learn from our mistakes. Would you agree with that? We may not, but we can. And you know, hopefully we do because it's, it's, a, it, it's, a painful, it's a painful way to live life having to always only learn from your own mistakes. We call it the school of what? Hard knocks. And most all of us, I'm not going to ask you, but if I did, we'd all raise our hand, I think. From time to time, we have all enrolled <laughs> in the school of hard knocks. And sometimes in my life, I've re-enrolled and re-enrolled and re-enrolled. Well, you do learn from mistakes, but it's a painful thing. Now, it's better to learn from the mistakes of other people. It really is. Because it's far less painful. 
I mean, we stand back, and, and there's a great advantage to learning from the mistakes of other people as you stand back and look at other people, or as you read about other people, study about other people, and see their mistakes. We have this advantage. We see how it ends with them. Now, in our own life, when we're making mistakes, we don't, we don't have the advantage of seeing how this thing's going to end. We'll know how it ends when it ends. But if I'm standing back here watching you or some others, and I say, hey, that person's making some real mistakes here. Let me see how that, let's see how that deal works out. Well, I'll tell you how it's going to work out. Not very good. And we learn from that. Now, uh, what we're doing on these Wednesday nights, we are looking at people in the Bible, and we're looking at their their good things, we're looking at their bad things, and we're looking at the footprints that they have left behind, and hopefully we are learning some things from that. Now, you have your Bible open to Genesis chapter 37. In fact, when I just say Genesis chapter 37, I hope in your brain a buzzer goes off. If you hear anybody say, open your Bible to Genesis chapter 37, you know immediately they're going to be talking about who? That's right. Make you made a hundred. Because Genesis chapters 37 all the way through 50, that is the material on Joseph. 14 chapters except one. And John preached a good sermon on that the last Wednesday night. He preached Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38 is not about Joseph, it's about Judah. And, and John did a great job. And it's, 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 it kind of, I think the chapter is where it is to show us uh, the line. It would be Abraham, uh, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and as we go down through the Judah road, that's how we get on to the lineage of Christ. And so it's a great, great chapter. But having said that, chapter 37, Genesis, uh, Joseph. 39, Joseph, 40, Joseph, 41, Joseph, 42, Joseph, 43, Joseph, 40, all the way through chapter number 50. Now, if you look in your Bible, last Wednesday night, we looked at chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. In a nutshell, and we know the story, Joseph was uh, taking care, working with his brothers, helping his brothers take care of his uh, father's flock. He went back to his dad and reported some things about how the brothers were doing, what they were saying, what was going on out there. It tells us about, you know, that Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children. He made him that coat of many colors. And, and you know, of course, that just made his brothers uh, dislike him even more. And then he had these two dreams. All that's in these first 11 verses in chapter 37. And he, he, it's okay to have, God gave him the dreams, obviously. But what he did, he told his brothers the dreams. And that made them hate him even more. Then he went back to his dad and told him. That's an interesting statement. Look in chapter 37 in verse 11. It says his brothers envied him. They didn't, they, they were, they, man, you, you think we're going to bow down to you? But his father, I've always wondered about this statement. His father kept the matter in mind. I've always kind of wondered now, and I, I thought to myself, you know, maybe, maybe Jacob thought, you know, maybe there is something to these dreams my son has told me. It, it, scripture doesn't say that, just said he kept it in mind, so he, obviously he was pondering. Now, tonight we're going to pick up 
uh, in, in verse number 12, and we're going to kind of move along, and we're going to have a good time. So look with me in chapter 37, verse 12, and we'll, we'll work our way to about verse 14. It says, Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel, now this is, uh, this is Jacob. Remember back in chapter number 32, God changed his name after he had that Rashley match. So we're talking about Jacob. Jacob said to Joseph, are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here am I, or here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So the Bible says he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now we read that and don't think much about it. That's 50 miles north. Now he had to walk to get there. That's a long walk. So, you know, this is interesting as I read that the, the Bible really doesn't give us much information about how uh, Joseph spent his teenage time. I've often wondered about that. You know, he, he really, we kind of pick him up at age 17 back in the very first of this chapter. But I mean, I don't know what he did. Um, I've wondered what he did. I mean, like uh, maybe, maybe he had homework or maybe he did whatever was equivalent to watching television. I mean, I mean, what would a 17-year-old guy do? Well, it, as I read that, it, it's kind of like, you know, his brother's all out taking care of the flock, and he's back at the house. And so evidently, his father, Jacob, decided, I need to give him an assignment. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to assign him to go out and, and check on how things are going with his brother. And so he left to make this journey of 50 miles north. Now look in verse 15. It says, now a certain man found him, that's Joseph, and there he was wandering around in the field. And the man asked him, saying, well, what are you looking for? And so he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here. For I heard them say, let us go to Dotham. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now, that's 15 more miles north. So we're talking about this teenage boy now has journeyed 65 miles from home trying to do what his dad gave him to do. Now verse 18, this thing that's really interesting. It says, now when they saw him afar, and I have that underlined in my Bible is kind of a reminder. Evidently, they saw him coming before he saw them. And I wonder, now why, why doesn't the Bible mention, like when did he realize they were up there? Like what was he, I, I just speculate. Is it okay to have sanctified speculation? Uh, maybe he was going along admiring his coat. I don't know what he was doing, but they saw him at a great distance. And even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. That's interesting. His brothers gave him a nickname, and his nickname is Dreamer. You know, he had told him those two dreams. They didn't like either one of them. They said, you're telling us one day we're going to bow down to you. So they've kind of now named him the Dreamer. And, they, and here's what they said. They said, come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. 
and we shall say some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. I mean, he's got a real hatred for it. Then in verse 21 says, but Reuben, uh, now that, that is a son to uh, Jacob and Leah. You know, Jacob had Leah, uh, and then he had Rachel. And this is, this is one of Leah's sons. And Reuben heard what his brother said, and he delivered him out of their hands. Uh, he lived out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. He said, now, wait a minute. That, that, let's don't do that. And then Reuben, that's also another son by Leah. Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him in the pit, which is in this wilderness, and, and do not lay a hand on him that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So he, he had this plan. No, what are we going to do? Let's, I can talk to my brother and just throw him in the pit. And then a little later on, I'll come back, get him and take him to that. Let me read you how the New Living Translation translates verses 21 and 22. It's very, very good. It says, but when Reuben heard of this scheme, he came to Joseph rescue. He said, let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in this empty cistern here in the wilderness. Then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. And then, the, then here's the translation. It says, Reuben was secretly planning to rescue Joseph and return him to his father. Now, the New King James, you just have to study it to figure that out. So here's a, you know, here's a good illustration. I mentioned different translations back when we started this. Here's where New Living Translation, the English Standard Bible, English Standard Bible, ESV. Some of these translations really do a good job of, of making it clearer that things that we might just read and kind of miss the whole deal. Well, in verse 23, it says, So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his, this coat that his daddy made him of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There's no water in it. Then they sat down to eat a meal. Boy, these brothers are, they're ruthless, aren't they? They've just thrown their brother in the pit, and assuming they're going to just let him stay in there, and uh, he, with no water, he'll finally die. But then they lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a coming a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah, now here comes Judah back on the scene here. So Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Well, you know, what are we going to get out of that? Said, come, here, here's a better idea. Verse 27, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let us, and let not our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Verse 28 says, Then Midianite traders passed by. So the brothers pulled Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took him to Egypt. Let me pause a moment. I don't know what tra how your translation handles that, but the Midianites and the Ishmaelites, they're the same people. And it gets real confusing. In fact, as you read on in this chapter, I mean, you're reading about the Ishmaelites did something. Next thing you know, the Midianites did. It's talking about the same group of people. And the 20 shekels of silver is what an average slave sold for in this particular time in history. Now, let, let, us, let, let me read on. 
it says, then Reuben returned to the pit, and he, Joseph was not in the pit, and he tore his clothes. That was a, a custom of mourning. And he returned to his brothers and said, the lad is no more. Well, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's, this coat of many colors, and they killed a kid of the goats, dipped the coat in the blood. Then they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, we have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's coat or not? And he recognized it. Now, this is, this is, this is Jacob. This is, this, is, uh, this is Israel, the father. He recognized it and said, it's my son's coat. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. Verse 35 is a tender verse. It says, and all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said this, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. What he's saying is, I'm going to live the rest of my life in mourning for what's happened to my son, because it was his favorite of all the children. Thus his father wept for him. <laughs> then verse 36, we're back to the Midianites again. Now the Midianites had sold Joseph in Egypt to Potiphar, uh, an official of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Now, now Potiphar was more a position name than a personal name. Uh, it, it was an official in, in Egypt, but like the, you know, we refer like to the president, you, 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 we say, Mr. President. Well, President Biden's name is not president, it's, it's Joe Biden or Joseph Biden, uh, or whoever the president is. But people, they, they don't call their name like that. They'll just refer to the president by the name of position, meaning Mr. President this, Mr. President that. Well, same kind of deal here. Now, you know, I don't know what you do when you read a chapter in the Bible. We, we, we read the first 11 verses last week. But I talked, I think it was last Wednesday night, one of the things we need to do, we, we need to not just read the Bible, we need to study the Bible. We really do. I was so encouraged this morning. Early this morning, I looked on my phone, and someone had sent to my office, uh, one of our members said uh, a, a, an email for me, wanting to know. They said, we are, we are trying to find and we, we have found, we have some real good commentaries and books to help us on studying the Bible. But we, would you tell, what would you suggest we get? We can't find uh, anything on Psalms and on Proverbs. Do you have any good suggestions? Well, I thought, when I bless God, somebody's trying to study the Bible. And that blessed me. And so I immediately I knew exactly what I was going to say on Psalms. If they're trying to study the book of Psalms and they just want to buy, a, well, they wanted to buy one book. And I wrote them back and I said, listen, I'm going to answer the Psalms. There's no question the answer I'm going to give you would be my recommendation. But <laughs> it's, it's, a, it, it's divided up into five books, like Psalms 1 through something's book 1 and Psalm, Psalm 2, 3. So I said, that, that's the answer to that. Here, here's the name of it. Here's the author. Go get it. My recommendation. I said, now on Proverbs. I said, now that's a horse of another color. And um, I made a suggestion or two on Proverbs. But I said, you know, there are a lot of different 
there are a lot of different commentaries and books comment on Proverbs, but it's not, it's not the same as most of our other books. Like if someone says, well, tell me a good book on Genesis. I just want to buy one book on Genesis. Well, I can answer that. I, don't think, I could tell you several good books, but if somebody just said, I want one book, that's all I want. Well, of course, now you remember when we read these commentaries and all, it's, we're reading what the writer feels like that's saying, so you're really getting their opinion. Uh, you're getting their interpretation. That's why it's good to you know, read more than one thing. But be that as it may, let me suggest something to you. You don't have to buy anything. When you read a chapter in the Bible, uh, when you read a chapter in the Bible, uh, give it a title. Now, many of your Bibles have these titles kind of already given, but they're really not a title. Like I'm looking in my Bible, I'm reading from the night, Genesis chapter 37, it says, Joseph's dreams of greatness. Well, that really tells you what's in this chapter about those two dreams. Um, and many of your Bibles have in bold print, and I love that. But it, it, that's really not the title of the whole chapter. Like, if you, you want to try something, just get your little piece of paper and read something, several, a chapter, and say, now, if I had to give this chapter a title, what would I title this chapter? Would you like me to tell you what I would title Genesis chapter 37? You have no enthusiasm? None. <laughs> None. People, I'm giving you some good stuff. I really am. You ought to go to some other church on Wednesday night and hear what they're doing. If you can find one doing anything. But anyway, um, preacher thought up what to do driving to church. I'm telling you, you're, we have better stuff on Wednesday night than most places get on Sunday, whether it's me or John or whoever we ask to preach. And, but this is a fun thing to do. And there's no right and wrong answer, but like, here's my title of Genesis chapter 13. Would you like to hear what it is? Ah, boy, that's the way. John, they're with me now. They've come around. It's, yeah, it's 11 minutes after 7, and they finally come around. Well, here was, I wrote it down today. Uh, you, you're going to really like this. Are you ready for it? A chapter of sad events. That is good, isn't it? You read Genesis chapter, I mean, man, this is, this is a whole chapter, like how many verses in this thing? 36 verses, and the whole thing is just one sad event after the other. It starts out, a daddy likes one son better than all the other kids. That's sad. Well, it just gets worse. I mean, and of course, well, that's, I shared that not to entertain you. I, I shared that to say to you, you'll be blessed. And here's the deal. Now, I didn't write that in my Bible. I didn't, I, I thought, no, it's not ready for me to put that in the Bible yet. I just wrote that on a little piece of paper. Because in time, I may study that chapter some more and say, you know what? I believe I've got a better chapter title. Well, it change a thing. But if you could do that with every chapter in the Bible, now, now, go to some shorter book to try that and just read the chapter over and over and over and over and over and say, now, what is that whole chapter about? Well, I'll tell you what Genesis chapter 37 is about. It's about, it's a chapter of sad events, and it is a very, very sad thing. Now, take your sheet, your, your 
Wednesday night worship sheet. And let's, let's fill in some blanks. Let me find the sheet here so I'll know where you are so I can kind of help you as we go along the way. There are really some great life lessons in this chapter of sad events. There really are. And I'm going to mention three of them tonight, and we'll deal with them as we have time to do it. First of all, uh, one life lesson is what you wish had never happened. Now listen to this. If you respond appropriately, that's the key. God will use it for his glory and for your good. Now it's up on the screen, and I, you know, that's, I, I left you more... You know why I leave so many blanks when I do this? I always have members come to me and say, one of the things I try to do is figure out the blanks before I hear the sermon. And I think, well, I'll tell you what to do. I'll just leave more blanks than you can figure out. I'll give no hints along the way. Now, I've got some coming. But now, let's talk about that. Now, what you wish had never happened. I honestly would believe with all my heart, had we been able to talk to Joseph, I think he would say, you know what? What happened to me that's recorded in Genesis chapter 37, I wish had never happened. And it gets worse. I mean, he just, as we journey on through Joseph, I mean, he just keeps having things he wished had never happened. But here's what you see, and here's the footprint to follow to Joseph. He, he always responded and almost, let me say, he almost always responded appropriately. Now, we dealt last week, he was a tattletale. That's not, that's not a good response. But what we're going to find out from here on, and that, that's a true thing. And you know, in fact, let's turn over to chapter 50 and mark the verse if you don't have it marked. This is the key verse. When John mentioned one Sunday, I was going to be teaching on Joseph, uh, he, he mentioned this verse. In, in chapter 50, the last chapter, you want to mark this verse, verse number 20. He told his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And that's, really, that's, that's, that's just kind of the key to the, whole, to the whole part of him. So if we respond, uh, and we see this all through the Bible, as you read the Bible and see people responding appropriately, and you, 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 you look in life and you see people that have things that happen that you know they wish it never happened, and then in our, you look at your life. I think about my life. Things have happened in my life that I wish had never happened. If I look back on them and, I, and I'm honest with myself, say, okay, you know, on that issue, I did respond with God's help appropriately. And you know what? It worked out for God's glory and worked out for my good. So I say this to you tonight. You will have things in your life that you never will know in this life why they happened that you wish had not happened. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's the mystery of life. The mysterion of life is things happen that we do not understand why those things happen. But if we'll respond, respond appropriately, what does happen, uh, God, God gets glory in that, and it works out for our good. What is the, what is that? It says, you know, we grow in the valley, not on the mountaintop. Isn't that right? I mean, the, the hard things you've gone through in life, where you clung to God, what, your faith grew. You became stronger in that. And that is a great lesson. You know, 
Well, I'm not going to have time. I wanted. Let me turn over. Save your place here. I will show you the verse. Turn over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me quickly show you something. Uh, I really wanted to, to really develop this. I don't have time. But look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. And uh, what you have in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is uh, there was so much worldliness going on in the church in Corinth that when Paul wrote this letter, he said, listen, Y'all have become so worldly. Corinth was a very worldly place. He said, you're, gonna, you're guilty of the very same sins the Israelites were guilty, and those sins caused them, uh, it, was the, it was their downfall. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he's talking about these Old Testament examples. But look in verse 6. We can do this. He said, um, look in verse 5, but with most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. He said, now, their sins were their downfall. And he said, I'm warning you, it's going to happen to you. And then he named specifically three of their sins. And you see one of them in verse 7, idolatry. Uh, In verse 8, sexual immorality. And then in verse 10, complainers. And then if we had time, we'd go back to Exodus. That's what I want to do. Now I don't have to. And, and over in, in Numbers. And, and each of those sins, idolatry and immorality and complaining was the downfall of the children of God. And, and that's why they, that bunch died off. And the others came on into the promised land. And what he's saying but see, we have, we have all these people in the Bible as our examples to learn from. That's why it's so important that we read our Bible. Well, we, and, and when we respond appropriately, God will be honored, others will be helped, and you will be spiritually strengthened. Well, let me tell you the second life lesson. Uh, the hard things you go through in life prepare you for the plans God has for you. And, I, you know, when I read Genesis chapter 37, and we're going to see this more in the life of Joseph, the hard things that Joseph went through prepared him for the plans God had for him. And that is true in your life. I think about the Apostle Paul, the hard things that the Apostle Paul went through in his life, it prepared him for what God had for him. I think about John. We're kind of winding up a book of Revelation in these seven churches, and you know, he, he, was, he was on the island of Patmos in exile. That'd be hard. But that's where he was when God gave him this revelation that we read about in the book of Revelation. So I just encourage you to remember this. The hard things we go through, they prepare us for the plans God has for us. And then number three, this is a, this is a good one. Sin's punishment is often delayed. Well, that's worth writing down. Sin's punishment is often delayed. You see, here's, here's how you, let, let me just kind of fill in the blank of that. Once, once Jacob was told that his son uh, was probably devoured by the animals, they showed him that coat with all that blood on him. Here, here's something we need to understand. He lived 22 more years before he knew his favorite child was not dead. He did. He lived 22 more years, and then he was told he's alive, but 22 years had gone by, and, and that's sad. And, you know, like, when I think about that, I think about, well, the deceiver, you, you remember, that's who Jacob was. 
yeah, the Jacob Esau deal, the deceiver <laughs> was deceived by his own sons. His sons did to him what he had done himself. It's, it's just, you know, what goes around comes around. Now, boy, I need a whole sermon time on that. Like, whatever sin we've committed, we can put on the blood of Jesus. Amen? But the consequences. See, that's, that's one of the things about sin. God forgives sin. And we don't need to go around asking God again to forgive us of the same sin. If you have repented and put that sin on the blood of Jesus, it is finished. Could I have an amen to that? But <laughs> the consequences of that sin. You know, God's not going to remove the consequences. There'll be forgiveness. But I, I think about, you know, like I think about Joseph's brothers. They lived in guilt. Seeing their sin against their brother was the source of all their woes. And I don't read in here where they ever repented of what they did, so I wouldn't know about that, but I know about this. You know, they even had the conversation. We'll finally get at it when we get on the latter part of the book of Genesis where they got talking to each other and said, you know, what we did to our brothers while we're in this mess we're in. Well, you know, we, there, it, 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 it needs to be said, we need to understand sin is a serious matter. And we need to do everything we can do with God helping us to avoid sin. And we're going to mess up and we're going to sin and praise God. If we repent, God forgives of our sin. But to just, just say, well, it doesn't make any difference. Well, it makes all the difference in the world. Now, as I thought about all that, I thought about this. Let's wrap it up this way. The number one thing that you want to respond appropriately to is in your response to Jesus Christ. 